Young Baptist Podcast, a podcast committed to the centrality of the gospel and to encouraging believers to be captivated all over again by the beauty and glory of Christ. Here at the Young Baptist Podcast, we love Jesus, we love the church, and we love you, our audience. And uh, my name is Clay Maynard. I'm joined by my co-host today, Josh Johnson. What's going on, Josh? Good morning, Clay. Good morning. Beautiful morning. Getting that coffee. Yeah, man, it's just coming up on eight o'clock. It is. And you brought the coffee. I did. Which makes you my favorite person already today. Well, I was your favorite person before anyways, so. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if I should share this, but Josh has started calling me in front of our spouses, his podcast wife. And I have done that a few times. Yes. And it's always awkward and the girls always act <laughs> really unnerved about it. They're and like, uncomfortable. Yes. Yeah, they're always like, why would you say but that? But why do you think I say it? <laughs> that's the only purpose of yes, it is exactly. to make them uncomfortable. Exactly. But that's sort of your sense of humor. So yeah, can, I'm kind of weird like that. I, I can guess. appreciate it. Um, Talking about coffee because we're drinking coffee here, Clay. Do you remember or did you ever get involved in uh, like the Starbucks gold card. Do you remember the Starbucks gold card? I remember it happening, but I was never, I never did it. Okay. So you never had one? No. Okay. So you were never that elite. I'm always <laughs> late to trendy <laughs> movements. Yeah. So I, I tend to not, I'm not, it's not that I'm skeptical. I just don't know that it's going to last. And I just want to see how, how it works out. And so if a large percentage of my friends start telling me, man, you got to do this. This yeah. is awesome. That's when I start going, okay, yeah, I'll take a look at it. And that might make me a loser on the front end of some trends that are really awesome. But I think I do it as a time-saving mechanism where I'm like, I'm not going to waste my energy on, on it until I'm sure it's actually something that I really want to do. It was like the ultimate quest if you were a Starbucks drinker yeah, to go and to, to work your way up to gold. And then... <laughs> If you remember, it wasn't, you know, once gold, always gold. You, uh, <laughs> you had to keep earning it and, and not lose it. Now, I, can't, I don't think they do it anymore. I think they got uh, rid of it. But I remember when I achieved gold status. So the gospel of Starbucks was not by grace. No, it was not. <laughs> solely by works. But you could request them to send you a gold card. And I remember when I got my gold card, I just thought I was the coolest coolest person ever because it was like this (laughs) this dumb status symbol you know it was before we all paid on the on our phones so you'd pull out your gold card and you'd hand it to the barista and you know in your (laughs) mind you're thinking everyone's like oh wow he spends a lot of money at starbucks he's one of those people (laughs) he's one of those members he's one of the elite i remember uh well even today there's a lot of companies that will give you like oh you have the prestige you know platinum oh, yeah. whatever of our credit card or whatever uh and i've never like made it into those exclusive elite clubs of any like credit cards or anything like that but they have those and there's like the you're the you're the delta sky club or whatever yes you ever walk by the airport those delta sky clubs and you look inside and you're like those couches look comfy and there's yes. a coffee bar right there and those snacks look delicious i've only ever been in one of those and it was <laughs> really? with united and it's because uh my father-in-law had like two extra vouchers they had sent him Mm -hmm. and so he hooked me up with one of them and dude that's that's living right there (laughs) oh yeah if you fly all the time you can you can get into those clubs and they want to reward you for being like one of their best customers but those are the kind of places to get the those perks like it's actually really cool if you can get into the sky club or whatever that stuff is like 
the gold card at Starbucks? Who cares? <laughs> I'm but, platinum at Chick-fil-A. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know of anything that I'm actually like in the exclusive club of. But if you're a listener of the Young Baptist podcast, you should be in the exclusive club because trust me when I tell you, uh, it is not difficult to do. No, it's not. Uh, five. You were talking about Starbucks, Josh, for the cost of one Starbucks per month. Five dollars less than one Starbucks per yeah, month. Nowadays, less than one <laughs> Starbucks. They used to call it five bucks. Now it's six bucks. Um, for, for less than the cost of a, of a grande coffee at Starbucks, you can be in the Young Baptist Podcast small group community. That's right. Where you get all kinds of special perks, emails every single month, multiple emails now giving you book recommendations, small devotionals, updates on what we're doing with the podcast, personal messages from me and Josh. You also get Ask Me Anything episodes exclusive every month. You get the right to ask us anything you want and we answer it on an exclusive episode only for you. Mm -hmm. You also get a discount code for the merch store so that you can get a nice discount on all merchandise, Young Baptist podcast. And there's more stuff we plan on releasing to you guys. Like we've, Josh and I have talked about, we, you know, we go through after we record an episode and cut it down to the time limit we want to reach. We're thinking about releasing full episodes uncut onto the Young Baptist podcast, um, small group Mm -hmm. uh, so that you guys can have, um, unfettered access to the episodes that we record. And we're looking forward to doing more stuff. We've talked a little bit already about maybe doing in the future a, a live Zoom call yep. with our exclusive subscribers. And you, like I said, you can do that $5 a month or a one-time $60 gift that covers you for the year. And so we're excited about that. Absolutely. And so you can be part of that. And we won't send you a gold card, but know that your rewards are in heaven. That's exactly it, Clay. <laughs> That's exactly it. We will not give you something where moth and rust doth corrupt. Oh, wow. But yeah. you will have spiritual rewards. There it is. Yeah. as Your rewards will last so long as the podcast lasts. <laughs> That's right. <clears throat> yeah. And all of our, all of our, uh, all of our subscribers, they're great people. And you definitely, we really would appreciate it if you supported us. We understand not everybody can, but we are appreciative to everyone that does. And, um, I know you've mentioned this on the podcast in the past. Maybe this will tease some people into to getting in the small group. <laughs> uh, but I know that one of the questions that's going to come up in our next Ask Me Anything is for us to do our best impersonations. No way. And so my uh, my Schmeagle may show up oh on the small Josh. group. Yeah, I cannot wait for this. Yeah, so I cannot wait for this. If you want to hear it, you're going to have to be a part of the small group, though. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you guys do not want to miss Josh's impersonation of Smeagol from The Lord of the Rings. You actually won't believe when you hear it on the podcast that it's not a recording of Andy Circus. I mean, I, I have to admit, it is pretty good. It's one of the things you're best known for. <laughs> <laughs> actually, I'm, I'm not known for that, I don't think at all, but that's on purpose. <laughs> it might be one of the things you're best at, though. Well, I... I guess I'm humbled to know that. <laughs> Josh, one of our one of our questions on the last Ask Me Anything like was heavy. Yeah, it was good too. Like, yeah, it was, it was a, a good great question, question yeah. and it really took us some time to answer it. Mm-hmm. You know, it was it was uh it was personal, but it was uh but it was great and it was it really spoke to how our experiences should be used to 
move us forward, move us toward yeah. Christ, no matter the good or the bad, and and how we can move forward from that. Man, that was it was a phenomenal question, and it really took us a lot of places. Yeah, it really did. Talking about going places, um, the best place that you can tr- like go places and travel and see other things when you actually can't get out is through reading good books. And sometimes the best way to read a good book isn't to read it at all, but to listen to it. And uh, that's right. And that brings us to our sponsor of the, today's episode, Audible. <laughs> Been working on them. That's a Jared Wilson level transition. Right I know. There. Well, see, I'm out of I'm out of habit on my Jared Wilson transitions because they haven't produced a For the Church podcast in weeks now. So, <laughs> you know, I'm kind of rusty. Audible is one of our sponsors. They're awesome. They're home to thousands of audiobooks, podcasts, theatrical performances. Uh, you can listen to Audible. Uh, at any time on your device, they've got the hottest titles while you're working out, while you're mowing the lawn, just enjoying a nice afternoon. I really find it helpful to, to listen to things while I'm doing something else. If I'm doing something mechanically with my hands, I often like to be feeding my mind as well. And so this is a great opportunity for that. You can find the details on that by visiting www.audibletrial.com forward slash young baptist pod. That's audibletrial.com slash youngbaptistpod. And you'll get a 30-day free trial yep. by using that uh, that URL. And so uh, go over there and get started on that today. And that is a way that you can help support the podcast as well. That's correct. So we would appreciate it. Um, thank you to Audible for sponsoring this episode. Well, today we are excited to get into our next topic, the, the topic of Christology, and to continue our study of the doctrines of our faith. Um, we're going to actually end up breaking this down into two episodes. One episode, today's episode, focused solely on the person of Christ. And then um, next episode, focused solely on the work of Christ. Uh, so we're we're ready to hop into this thing and to, to begin the conversation and to ask and answer the ultimate question, who is Jesus Christ? Um, and what better day to... To, to be reminded of this all over again than the day after Easter. You oh, know, yeah. Our hearts have been, you know, tuned in to the, the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. We have been stirred and encouraged and uplifted in the glory yes. of the resurrection and the victory of Christ over death. And now we're just going to, we're just going to keep on talking about our wonderful Savior. Yeah, so happy, that's awesome. Happy Easter, everyone. Yeah, that's right. So um, let's do this thing, Clay. The person of Christ. What is what, what's the deal here? I guess we're answering the question: Who is Jesus? It's the ultimate question. It is the ultimate question. What will you do with Jesus? Is the ultimate question, and it's the ultimate question of your life, spiritually speaking. It's the ultimate question of your life. It's the and it's one of the ultimate questions of Scripture. Uh, what are you going to do with Jesus, who is called Christ? And that's what we're t- tackling today. Josh, I got to tell you, I've been fired up about this episode for like a solid week now. Once I realized we were doing Christology, I'm like, we get to go in there. This is like a project we're working on where we get to go in here and we're just going to talk about Jesus yeah. for a long time. That's awesome. It and is. So I'm fired up for it. It is. So <laughs> let's do it, Clay. Uh, let's start off. Let's talk about the deity of Christ. It is the probably the can I can I give it this? Can I do? Can I say this? It's like the pinnacle of this conversation. Yes, without uh, without the deity of Christ, it doesn't. The rest of this doesn't matter. We have to nail down that Christ is God. Um, 
so kind of on the, the front end here, we have to establish that the second person of the Holy Trinity is God the Son. Um, and this is important. You know, we're, we're laying some foundational groundwork here. Um, you're going to hear a lot of scripture today. Yes. But uh, as the Nicene Creed states in uh, no uncertain terms, the Son is begotten, not made consubstantial with the Father. These are important terms to nail down and explain uh, because who the Son is makes a difference. And we probably won't get into EFS and stuff like that today, but we talked about it briefly on our theology episode that we reject the eternal functional subordination of the Son. Mm -hmm. But we believe that God the Father begets the Son and that this relationship is a relationship of divine persons, not of a divine producer and a creaturely product. And you can actually read more about this in the book, The Trinity by Scott Swain. Um, so God the Son is one with the Father in his being, attributes, works, and worship. So he is God. The, God the Son is God. He's not a lesser God. He is not a creation of God. He is, in fact, God. That is crucial for the rest of this conversation. Because if we, if I can say, demote the Son to um, a, a creature of the Father, then we are also demoting his deity. And we can't do that. That's that's just completely contrary to the teachings of Scripture. Yeah, Josh, and there's there is a sort of movement, if I can call it that, that is out there to subtract from Jesus's place in the Godhead, and even to go so far as to say that he was not God, that he was some sort of moral exemplar. And this is the, the Arian heresy. Uh, the heresy of Arianism is to say that Jesus is not God at all. Mm -hmm. He's, he was not deity, and so. Uh, the the scripture though is is clear, crystal clear, and I don't want anybody anybody listening. <laughs> Christian history is replete with examples of arguments for this, but you cannot read much of the New Testament without coming away with an understanding that Jesus is God and He is taught by Scripture to be God. I know that we live in a very pluralistic society, and I think that's a oftentimes a very good thing. We can talk to anybody. We can be willing to, to converse with anybody. We can be willing to try to persuade somebody if we feel they're wrong. So I'm not for, for being ugly to people. I'm not for being uh, hateful or dismissive. But we don't have to pretend like all things fly. Mm -hmm. We don't have to look at Scripture and say, well, we just disagree about just literally everything. There are some things that the Bible just clearly says and clearly teaches. And they're not, this, they're not up for debate without compromising the entire faith. This is one of them. Mm -hmm. This is not a negotiable topic. This is not, not for Christians uh, that Jesus, it was himself God. Well, and First John tells us that uh, every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. Well, and even that language, Josh, that he has come in the flesh implies and assumes that he exists he pre-existed flesh yes mm -hmm. that he was in existence before his manifestation on earth so jesus before his incarnation jesus existed already that's right and i know we're going to talk about other passages that where jesus says things like this and where and where the apostles speak of him in the same way but 
First John 4 says your attitude about Jesus determines whether or not you're of God or not. Mm-hmm. And in John 10, which I believe is an amazing passage on this, and I know we're going to get to this later, Jesus says, if, you don't, if you're not hearing me on this, I, I'm one with the Father. I and the Father are one. And, and if, you're not, if you don't believe me, if you don't see my works and you don't see that I, what I'm telling you is true, you're not, it's because you're not of my sheep. That's the words of Jesus. It's not me saying that. That's not me. I'm not trying to kick anybody out. I'm saying Jesus is saying in that passage, what you say about me is the defining thing that decides whether or not you are a Christian, whether or not you are a follower of Christ, a believer in Christ. Because Jesus had tons of fans. Yeah. And, he, and Jesus was telling his disciples at one point, who do you say? Who do they say I am? And it was all kinds of things. And he said, but who do you say that I am? That's the difference between a disciple of Christ, a follower of Christ, and a fan. There's a lot of fans of Christ in the world. Don't mistake fans of Christ for followers of Christ. There's a lot of people who like Jesus' parts of his teaching or thinks he was a moral exemplar, but they didn't kill him for being a good moral person. They killed him because he was, they picked up stones in John 10 to stone him. Why? <laughs> because he was saying, you, you, want to, you want to see the Father? Ta-da. Yeah, he was saying... I'm here. Yeah, he was saying that we're the him and the Father were the same. We're the same. You're looking at him. Yep. And this is this is echoed throughout Scripture that Christ is that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That He is eternally God. Uh, some of the most classic passages you can think of: John one, uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Uh, John 8, 58, Jesus says uh, to the people around, Verily, verily, I say unto you, for Abraham was, I am. Yeah, J- John 1, uh, interestingly, you just mentioned where it says that the word was with God, the word was God, the same was all things were made by him. Without him was not anything made that was made. In case you wondered what the word was, verse 14 says, and the word was made flesh. Yeah, and we're, so we'll it, get to that. And, but so what I'm saying is if you're, if you're asking yourself, well, how is that about Jesus? Well, you tell me when God was made flesh. You tell me when the creator of all things was made flesh. If you don't believe Jesus was God, you have to answer that question. John 1 nails that down for you. Yep. Even when we read of the prophecy of Christ being born in Bethlehem in Micah 5, 2, the end of that verse, speaking of the one being born in Bethlehem, says, Who's going forth, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. That's massively huge because it's it's saying right there at the end of that verse, there's coming someone yes. who will be born in Bethlehem, who will be the ruler of Israel, but this is not the beginning of his existence. Yep, He will come from Bethlehem, but his, his existence has been from of old, from everlasting. That's huge yep. stuff. The, the one born in Bethlehem, the son of God born in Bethlehem is... The pre-existing eternal God. Yep, and you you uh, you have here Isaiah nine six, which is says the exact same, which echoes the same thing. I came across last night, Josh, First Corinthians eight, verse five and six, and in, in looking over scriptures for this episode, it says here, for though there be that are called gods, whether in heaven or in earth, this is Paul speaking. As and he says, as there be gods many and lords many, and he's referring to paganism. He's, he's speaking in a pagan culture and he's saying, though you all have gods, you all have lords, you all have your different names for, for who you for these people that you worship. Verse six, he says, but to us, there is but one God, the father of whom are all things and we in him and one Lord, Jesus Christ, 
by whom are all things, and we by him. That is such a poetic device there for him to say, there's one God, the Father, of whom are all things, and one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things. He, that He's repeating that to say, basically based to say, Josh, but I, but I repeat myself. He is not. Think about it. He's in this statement. And he's, this is given, this statement is given in the context of food offered to idols. And he's in this passage defending monotheism and pointing out, you're the one with all these other gods. We don't have all these gods. We have one God. And in this passage, he mentions God the Father and mentions Jesus. He didn't, he didn't believe God, Jesus was God in some sort of semi-divine way. No, here, here Paul is making the case to the church. We have one God the Father, and we have our Lord Jesus Christ in an argument about us having one God, and he puts them together. I thought that was an interesting passage that I've never noticed before. Yeah, that's good. I like that. So yeah, we see Christ. He, he's talking about divine attributes here, his omnipotence, Matthew 28. Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Uh, we see his omnipresence. Matthew 28, he, he comforts the disciples and he says, Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. And once again, uh, emphasizing his omnipresence. We see his omniscience. We see this all throughout the Gospels. Uh, and it usually reads something like it does in Luke 5. But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answering said unto them, Why reason ye in your hearts? I do that to you all the time, Josh. I say, Why are you thinking that? I, I yes, you do. It's <laughs> it's fascinating. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Can no. you imagine being around somebody who like you would be wrestling with something in your heart and you just and all of a sudden you look at him and he's looking at you like, you know, I need to talk to you about that. Mm. And you're like, what is how, how did you do that? Why are you thinking <laughs> that? Yeah. How do you know what I'm thinking? How do you know what I'm feeling? You want to know why the disciples knew? They're like, oh man, this guy, he's the real deal. Well, and oftentimes when we read these things, it's it's in uh in response to like people seeing something done and, and questioning why he was allowing it to happen too. Mm -hmm. So uh, we've, we've already touched on his self-existence and his eternality in John one. So we're going to continue on there. Uh, we see the immutability of Christ in Hebrews 13. He is the same yesterday and today and forever. That's comforting. And then yes. we see his holiness and sinlessness Second uh, Corinthians five, probably my favorite verse in the whole Bible. For He hath made Him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. And then First John three, and ye know that He was manifested to take away our sins, and in Him is no sin. There were other things that happened while Christ was uh, on the earth. He re He received worship. The Bible made it clear in the Old Testament there is only one that you should worship and serve. That's right. And that is God. Deuteronomy 6, Exodus 20, and even when Jesus was an infant, Matthew 2 indicates that the, the wise men came, they fell down, and they worshiped him. And you see repeatedly in, in the New Testament where the apostles reject worship. Mm -hmm. Over and over again, they well, reject like, worship. Uh, I think it was Peter in Acts 3, is, it, is that correct? Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, but he... Well, maybe it's not Acts 3, but it's in Acts. Someone is healed by Peter and he like falls down and tries to worship him. And Peter, like it says he picks him up. Yeah. It's like, no, you don't do that. Wrong person. Yeah. Yep. And uh, we see it in Matthew 14. When they were in the ship, they came and worshiped Jesus, saying of a truth, thou art the son of God. And he didn't stop them. 
he received it. Yep. So uh, we see that he's the creator. We read about this in John 1, 3. Um, he's the forgiver of sins. I love that verse, these verses. When he saw their faith, he said unto him, man, thy sins are forgiven thee. Yeah, that's a huge one. And, 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 and that's one of the big sources of consternation with the Pharisees when he's on earth is they, they would get really upset when he would say, your sins are forgiven you. And Jesus yeah. would back it up and be like, oh, you, you'd rather me just tell her to get up and walk. That, that doesn't bother you, but me, but me forgiving her. Yeah, Luke fives when they dropped well, him so, down through the roof. And he says, yeah. just, so, just to show you that I do have the power to forgive sins. Get up and walk. Go ahead and get up and walk yeah. too. Mm-hmm. Um, so literally not only forgiving sins, but defending his authority to do so to their face. Yeah. That's amazing. Uh, and then we know he raised the dead. John 11 is a story of Lazarus. We see that. And he upholds the world by the word of his power, Hebrews 1. So, Clay, it's pretty pretty clear here. Yes. From the scripture, Jesus Christ is God. Yeah, I want to take just a moment um, on this just to sort of wrap up this section. I know we're going to come back to Philippians 2 when we talk about Christ's um, incarnation. But I just wanted to mention briefly that Philippians 2 is amazing because it's one of the most, to me, clearest and most profound declarations that Jesus is Lord over all. Um, he doesn't just affirm the pre-existence of Jesus because he says he, in there that he is in the he's in the form of God. Um, and of course, he, then he talks about being made of no reputation, which we'll talk about. But he also, at the end of that, describes the pious possible exaltation of Jesus. He says that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, every tongue uh, on uh, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, every tongue is going to confess Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Um, you could not say that about just a good man. Even if some man could be sinless, you don't, you don't describe, ascribe to him that kind of worship, that kind of position in heaven in eternity, that that's the kind of thing that's going to happen, that every tongue and every knee is going to bow and confess that Jesus is Lord. And he's drawing on, by the way, Isaiah 45. And I just wanted to read these two verses, Isaiah 45, 22 and 23. He says, look unto me and be saved. This is God speaking. Look unto me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. I have sworn by myself, the word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return, that unto me every knee shall bow, every tongue shall swear. Paul is quoting that. He's riffing on that and saying at the end, they're going to do that to Jesus. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. So, uh, if you had any doubt about Paul's position on the deity of Christ, mm-hmm. that nails it down completely. Yeah. Well, and Paul is clear throughout his writings who yes. Jesus Christ is. Mm-hmm. No question about it. Um, we also see the humanity of Christ throughout the New Testament. We know he had parents. Uh, Jacob, uh, Matthew one sixteen. Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. When you look at his... Uh, his uh, the genealogies of Christ in Matthew 1, and then I think it's Luke 4, you see Matthew 1 is showing his connection to the Davidic line of of being a ruler of Israel because only through your father's side could you inherit the throne. And I understand Christ, you know, Joseph wasn't his, his father. but And then you see Luke 4, the connection back to the seed of the woman uh, as they trace through uh, Mary's heritage as well other things and like these are these are things that you may not always slow down and think about 
but he just looked like a normal Jewish person. Uh, John 4 tells us that when he was traveling to Samaria, when he had spoke to the woman of Samaria, she was like, she was like, uh, sir, you are a Jew. Why are you talking to me, yep. a Samaritan? It was very clear to her. He was just a normal Jewish yeah, person. He was, yeah, he was breaking down a lot of barriers in that moment. And she was like, you're a Jew. Why are you, talking to, why are you talking to me, a Samaritan? And then when the disciples show up later, they didn't notice that so much as they noticed the, the gender issue. Mm-hmm. They were like, and maybe even I would say the class issue because she was not a, a good, she was had a reputation. And so like they walk into this situation and if you look later in that chapter, they literally walk up to Jesus and say, why are you talking to her? Well, and I'm sure the Samaritan nature of her her dis- her heritage is also yeah, I'm, a huge it, I'm factor I'm sure all there. of it was playing in. Yeah. But when they come in and they're like, why are you talking to this woman? <laughs> yeah. Um, this is not appropriate, basically. Yeah. He, he hungered. He got thirsty. He needed to rest. Um, he exhibited emotion. We see this in several places, but probably most prominently in John 11. Uh, yes, it's the shortest verse in all of the Bible, but it shows that Christ... Christ, the man had emotion. Yep. And that's echoed in Hebrews where it talks about our hype. We have not an high priest, which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmity, not just touched with our infirmities, but touched with a feeling. He, God, Jesus on earth in, in, in being human, he didn't just know the, the, the struggles and the pains. Hebrew says he knows the feeling. Mm-hmm. He knows what it feels like to be you. Yep. And we see in Matthew 9, he exhibits compassions on the crowd because they were like sheep having no shepherd. So yeah, he he's human. And, and if there's no other, if you have no other great place to see it, look at his 40 day temptation in the wilderness. He, one of the things that was, that made that temptation of the temptation of Jesus at the end of that 40 days. So, um, powerful in his, in, in his story, uh, Satan was coming on him because of the weakness of his human form. I believe Satan thought, hey, if there's ever a chance I have, it's when his human form is at his body, his physical body is at its weakest. Maybe, maybe there's a, maybe there's a crack in the door here and I can take a shot Uh, because Satan is not omniscient. He doesn't know everything. And so I think he was taking a shot there, but what was he doing? He was looking at the physical weakness and the, and the pain and the suffering that Jesus was going through in that moment. Yep. All right, let's move on clay to the incarnation of Christ. What is the incarnation? It is the act of the eternal son of God taking to himself an additional nature, which was humanity through the virgin birth. Right. Josh, he wasn't 50% God, 50% man. No. This is what's called, if you've ever, if you care about stupid theological terms, this is what's called. No, we didn't call it stupid. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not saying stupid. I'm saying, I'm using that sarcastically (laughs) to the listener. But I think some of our listeners, Josh, they like, they like to know more about God's word, but some of the big terms, yeah, that's gave them a little yeah, bit. That's fair. So I was kind of uh, just throwing a bone to those people. If you're like, how, why do you guys use such big words? It's called the hypostatic union. Uh, and that is a theological term that just refers to the fact that he was fully God and fully man. He did not give up any of his divinity to be a person. And there's nothing about him being God that, that kept him from being fully human either. Yeah. That- and that's not something we can completely understand. Like get over it. Like we believe in virgin births and people walking on water and and the uh, people him Jesus ascending and rising from the dead. So this is one of those things we're not going to completely understand this. Yeah. But he was fully God and fully man. The union of deity and humanity in the person of Christ is outside of the realm of our finite understanding. We we can't fully grasp it. Yep. 
So well, Paul calls it a mystery. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we see it explained even more, as you mentioned earlier about the Word becoming flesh. John one fourteen, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. This is Christ. The Word referenced in John one was made flesh. Yeah, who was that? That was the person. That was Jesus. Yeah, the Son who of else? God. This brings us to Philippians 2. It says this, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Those who do not believe in Christ's deity. I don't know how, what you do with Philippians 2 because he's clearly describing that previous to his incarnation, he was in the form of and equal with God and made himself something different. He, ma- he made himself, he took on that new nature, that, that nature of man, that, that human form and found in fashion as a man and humbled himself this is not a guy who was born and who just did right and was faithful to God. This is not a hu- normal human being in the way that we think about it. Mm-hmm. This is deity. And he's, he's describing in Philippians 2 a decision by Jesus before his incarnation yep. to, to, to be incarnated. Mm-hmm. And um, that the, the kenosis word, you find that there in the verse that says, but made himself of no reputation, that those words there, uh, that's where you get kenosis from, that this emptying. Mm-hmm. Um, now, when we say emptying, though, it's important to clarify. It's not the idea of emptying as in pouring out to the point of nothing, but... And I, I'm trying not to get too well, ahead of myself. When First Corinthians eight talks about, uh, he, it's it's actually a, a passage on generosity. He says to the believers in, in a way to motive, a way to show them why being generous is good. He talks about Jesus, and he says that Jesus, who was rich, for your sakes, he became poor that you through his poverty might be rich. It's describing that same thing. It's saying that God had had everything. He had the ultimate station of the universe. He had all the riches, all the worship, all the glory. And willingly walked, basically set that aside for the moment, becoming a man. And it says when he's talking about that, that emptying is him giving up the the lavishness of just being God to be a man. And he and the incarnation, and that, yeah, the incarnation in the kenosis of Christ is him taking. And you see it there in the rest of the verse, taking on the form of a servant. Yeah, taking on the lower station. It's that he took on to himself humanity. That's what the incarnation is, is taking, in addition to his deity, he added to it humanity, which is amazing. That's mind-boggling, honestly. And this is where we come to the virgin birth of Christ and that he was conceived of the Holy Spirit. And then Matthew 1 tells us the whole story, how... Jesus Christ was born of Mary, a spouse to Joseph, and uh, he was conceived of the Holy Ghost. The, the The birth of Christ is not miraculous because Mary was a virgin. It's miraculous because Mary, the virgin, conceived of the Holy Ghost. That's what's miraculous about it, uh, is that the the child Christ is miraculously conceived by the Holy Ghost. That is amazing. 
that is amazing. And that the only way a virgin can give birth is by miraculous means. And this miraculous means is conception of the Holy Spirit. Amazing. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. It's unfathomable. Yes. It's important to note that Christ is one person, fully divine, sinlessly human, without mixture or confusion. In other words, the two natures of Christ, they don't, it's not like intermingling, like his humanity doesn't impact his deity, his deity, et cetera, et cetera. They don't mix and they're not confused. He is one person. It's not like there's a duality of people here in Christ. He is one. <laughs> like Jekyll and Hyde or yeah. something. No. There's not a duality. He is one. He is not God and man. He is the God man. And that's an important thing to remember is that Christ wasn't schizophrenic or anything. He he is the God man. That's super duper important. And Clay, you just talked about this, uh, the impeccability of Christ. It is that the teaching that Christ is sinless. He is not able to sin. Um, so at the end of the day, here's here it is. Who is the person of Jesus Christ? He is the virgin born son of God, fully God, fully man, possessing two natures, the divine and human, without mixture or confusion. He is without sin, and he is worthy of all our praise, worship, and honor. Amazing. Love it. For part two of our study on Christology, join us next episode to discuss the work of Christ. If you are part of our Young Baptist Podcast small group, you will receive the uncut versions of these episodes as part of your subscription. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love to hear your thoughts on today's topic. Also, be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating and review wherever you consume the content. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Young Baptist Pod. Check out our website, theyoungbaptistpodcast.com for more resource recommendations, our merch store, and to join our YBP community.